0: Hello and welcome to the Media and Marketing Podcast, sponsored by Propeller, the PR, content and events company. My name is John Reynolds, the host. Uh, later we're talking to Mel Edwards, the chief exec of Wonderman Thompson. But first up, we're going to talk about the junk food advertising ban on the Transport for London estate, which is coming to force this week. We're joined by Tim Lum, a director at Outsmart, the outdoor industry trade body, and we're also joined by Will Malloyd, head of behavioural planning at Total Media. Thanks very much for jo- uh, joining me, gentlemen. You are both very uh, welcome so unhealthy food and drinks ads are now banned on london underground overground buses and bus shelters now this ban has been launched to help reduce childhood obesity levels in the capital and is supported by 82 82 percent of londoners as well well as uh, health professionals and nutritionists
1: so tim why is the outdoor industry not supporting the ban well i mean to be honest our opinion of this ban is that essentially it's it's a missed opportunity yeah um if I can go back and just talk maybe briefly about what the ban is. Yeah. Um, so there's two elements to it. The the first part is that uh, advertisers cannot advertise products that are defined as high in fat, salt or sugar yeah. by the NPM, the nutrient profiling model. Um, so that encompasses a range of different products. So it's not the sort of things that immediately come to mind when we think of childhood obesity. So, you know confectionery or fast food and stuff like that it also covers um foods that probably are of very little or no interest uh, to children things such as olives for example or uh tonic water so you can't advertise those sure. now on um, tfl so that's the the, the the overall scope of the ban but there's a second part to it which isn't actually about the product that you're advertising It's about the creative. You're actually also not allowed in creative to show any food that is Mm. high in fat salt, or any HFSS food. Um, And that's quite problematic because if you're not a brand who operates within the food and drink sector... Let's say, for example, you are um, a home and garden DIY retailer Mm. uh, and obviously with this unseasonably fantastic weather we've got in February, you want to advertise your new range of barbecues, you can do that. But if you want to advertise it on TFL and your creative features uh, something as horrifying as a sausage Mm. being cooked on that barbecue, you will not be allowed to advertise that on TFL. Similarly, if you're a travel company, um, and your advertising holidays your creative features mm. um, you know somebody on holiday by a beach relaxing but in that picture there's a picture of an ice cream yeah. that would not be allowed uh, to be advertised on the, on the TFL estate which essentially means that if you want to advertise it on the TFL estate you have mm. to change your creative just for the proportion of your out of home campaign that's running on TFL um, so there you've got Uh, Sort of an extra layer of complexity um, for the advertiser and they've got to produce some separate creative and also for media owners and for agencies Mm. um, and to a certain extent for TFL. They are also now having to educate uh, advertisers well outside of the food and drink sector about HFSS, which isn't obviously in their... um, they're kind of their natural, their natural business. So one of the big things is presumably
0: that there's not... You don't feel there's been any... Or there's not been much consultation from TfL or the mayor's office with you guys on this at all? Then?
1: No, I mean, in terms of uh, consultation, essentially the mayor announced it on Twitter that he wanted to, to right. do the ban. And then he said that he announced he would have a consultation. Um, but normally you would do it the other way around. You'd have a yeah. consultation about how, how could TfL help reduce childhood obesity... And then you draw your conclusions on the basis of that consultation. But so, he has
0: had consultation with you about it, though. I mean,
1: well, he announced a consultation, and okay. Outsmart submitted a response, as did uh, a lot, a lot of other companies. But the content of our consultation wasn't discussed. We put forward um, an alternative right. to an outright ban, which is a sort of, you know, as it's as it's actually landed is, is quite blunt and unwieldy. Yeah. Um, and the proposals that we put forward, for example, um, we wanted to consider how could we perhaps donate inventory to support, um, Healthy causes, for example, like the Daily Mile or VegPower, something similar to that. We put forward a proposal, why don't we um, create, like within alcohol advertising, there was a a sort of a a drink responsibly or drink aware campaign. We wanted to put a similar sort of thing where on all the creative for an HFS product, you'd have a small proportion of that creative that would carry um, a message um so these
0: were given short shrift then well they
1: simply weren't discussed they were rejected without discussion um because essentially the only thing that was on the table was the ban that had already in a sense been announced on twitter you know weeks before the consultation you mentioned the nutrition-based
0: profiling system then that's what Ofcom uses at the moment. But you've got issues with that. I mean, there's a story, wasn't there, in the Evening Standard I, I saw when it gave a whole raft of household products that, that could be banned, everything from butter, cheese, the, olive yeah. oil, stuff. But you, you, they can appeal for exemptions, though, brands, can't
1: they? They can appeal for exemptions. But, again, this is another added layer of complexity yeah. and bureaucracy, uh, and it's subjective as to whether you know, that, that exception would happen. So, for example, the olives and the tonic water mm. – um, you know it may be that you could apply you could apply for that even though that particular product is is by the, the definition on the M, the nutrient profiling model it is an HFSS um, you know uh, product
0: okay well I'll have to bring you in I mean I guess it's well intentioned no one can argue that trying to uh, cut childhood obesity is, is a bad thing I mean what's your overall take then
2: um, as you say it's the aim is good um, and I actually think anything that you announce and do like this, there's always going to be some issues. Largely, the issues here, I think it's the job of a media and creative agency to overcome. It's TFL. It's still lots of different ways we can advertise for these brands. Potentially, it's a challenge to think about that. Creative agency-wise, it's a challenge for them to think about barbecues and other things, how they advertise that without the food. Broadly, I think it's a challenge for us to try and live up to. Yes, there will be elements where we would question the decisions that were made. Things like olives, we've got clients where we would say they probably shouldn't be included. But I think that's often the process with this. Something gets announced, it gets debated, and then you kind of work to try and improve it. But I don't think the overall aim is wrong at all.
0: So you mentioned clients, uh, and have you had com- presumably you've had conversations with clients. I mean, what have they been saying? Are they going to shift money out of outdoor into other media because of this? Or are they, they going to be advertising healthier products to try and you know, get around the ban?
2: So I think, to be honest, um, the nature of the clients we have, they've got main products that they want to advertise and the likelihood is that they will shift their advertising elsewhere if they can't get an exemption. Obviously, for TFL, that's bad because uh, advertised revenue lost. Mm. But for us, the challenge is to then go, well, if that's not an option, what are effective ways we can still reach people at the right time? Um, And so to kind of respond to that. I mean, It's no getting away from it. Childhood obesity
1: is a hugely important and a very serious topic that does Mm. absolutely require action. Industry, including out of home, has a part to play in that. But that action needs to be holistic. If you look at Mm. the research on the causes and drivers of childhood obesity, um, you'll find that it's actually very closely associated with um, people who are living on low incomes, um, it requires lots of education around uh, nutrition, around exercise, around activity, and to some extent, parental discipline in you know what you're allowing your children to eat. Those are the things that have the most impact by a country mile on changing um, levels of childhood obesity. Changing the advertising on one part, i.e., TFL in one in the in London. Isn't going to have an impact on childhood obesity, and we haven't really heard from uh, the mayor's team on how mm. this ban is actually going to be evaluated. How are they going to be able to attribute any change in childhood obesity back to the fact that they haven't seen posters on buses or tubes or bus shelters or taxis? Do you, do you
0: feel as though the outdoor industry is being unfairly victimised by the mayor because the, the body shaming ban isn't there already? And this is
1: I think but- what we have. It's it's this isn't um, a serious attempt at reducing childhood obesity. This is a mayor wanting to score some political capital and make some points mm. by doing something that looks like he's taking action, but actually, in terms of effectiveness, it isn't going to. It isn't going to have any. It's overall, it's incoherent. If you look at the proportion of people across London who use TfL who are aged under sixteen, it's vanishingly small. It's estimated to be around three percent. Um, so, the other part of this as well is that whilst you won't be able to advertise HFS products on posters at TFL advertising, mm. you can go to any number of retail outlets across the TFL estate, any of the shops that are in the stations, and you can buy HFS stuff in there. Those shops can advertise that HFS stuff mm. on posters that are put it up in the shop front windows. Alcohol? Um, don't you?
0: I mean, you can still advertise alcohol too, can't you? Um,
1: on TFL? Yes, I
0: think you can, can't you? Yes,
1: yeah, you can. Okay. I mean, what um, can
0: you just, I mean, there's lots of but big numbers being talked about. I mean, in terms of the financial hit that tra- Transport for London's going to take, I mean, people are talking millions. Yeah, is that, I mean, it's. 35? I mean, is that going to be right or not? I mean, I guess in an ideal situation.
1: 35 million pounds is our estimate of what the revenue impact will be, and what perhaps the general public don't necessarily know is that the revenue that that's derived from advertising that goes to tfl is used to renew replace install and maintain the infrastructure so yeah. if you want nice shiny bus shelters that give you live timetable information if you want those kiosks in the street that um, will provide free wi-fi for all those people all that is paid for through advertising and in fact in the poll the yougov poll that was conducted in november 2018 Mm. when the question of do you support the advertising ban if it would have a knock-on effect that would Mm. essentially reduce the the quality of the public transport 62 percent of londoners um, said no they would not support it Um, so there's yeah, sure. Many different ang- angles to this. Um, but, I mean,
0: there is an alternative, isn't there, I think, as Will pointed out. I mean, brands could easily advertise in on mobile, on newspapers. There's nothing to stop them. They can still hit that well, demographic. This is, part, this
2: is part of the... Inc- uh, yeah. So, I think just to touch on the point, obviously, the mayor is acting in his area and doesn't have the purview to act on those. And currently, you can reach people in lots of other places. Digital potentially provides the advantage that you can target explicitly at 18 plus if you want to with products. Uh, Some of the other media channels you would argue, newspapers, Mm. um, radio, again, is still gonna mean that you're hitting uh, younger people. So it, it is in of itself on its own not going to stop advertising, reaching a younger audience. The question is whether it's followed by other channels Um, adapting to that as well or taking that on or not as it is there isn't a struggle to reach people uh, in your target audience through the channels available
1: Mm -hmm. i mean i'm not
2: advocating in
1: any sense for further advertising restriction but there is a big incoherence with this when at the same time you're not allowing advertising of hfss on tfl in posters it's quite you you can advertise in the metro and in sure. the evening standard, which are handed out across the TFL network, and well, as I, I said, in I the retail shops.
0: What, what restrictions does the outdoor industry have at the moment in terms of advertising of children? Is it we within have, 100 metres?
1: Yeah, so, and again, this is the evidence that how seriously our, our industry, our medium, takes childhood obesity. Long before the Mayor announced his ban, back in July mm. 2017, an Outsmart initiative of our members announced that we were going to go further than the existing regulations and yeah. in order to Demonstrate that we do care about childhood obesity. We banned advertising of HFSS products within 100 metres of school boundaries. Now, in London alone, that removes from the pool uh, over 10,000 static out of home advertising sites nationally, because it wasn't mm. just a, a London thing, this was a national activity. Um, it's 23,000 uh, out of home sites that are now you can't advertise HFSS on because they're within. 100 metres of school so Mm. you know we're just disappointed that that was something big that was something real and when we responded to the consultation Mm. we had some big and real um, proposals that we wanted to discuss but they Mm. were rejected.
0: It's worth pointing out that Transport for London were asked to come on and they declined to come on. Do do you both think or do you think there's an element of tension between the Mayor's Office and Transport for London? I mean Sadiq Khan has talked about a blunt ban, hasn't he? But the language from Transport for London seems a lot more conciliatory. They're talking a lot more about working with advertisers. Do you think there's a bit of tension there between the two, maybe? I, mean, I don't
2: know. Personally, not something I can speak to potentially, but I wouldn't know.
0: Okay. I mean, and what, and what, I mean, as you said, Tim, it'd be difficult to gauge. I mean, is there any way we can gauge or how
1: will we gauge if it's been a success then? Well, this is for the, the mayor's team um, to come up with. They're going to have to prove that this um, policy is effective that it does uh, have an effect on childhood obesity and uh, as far as w- we're aware at the moment um, we don't know how that evaluation is going to look like um, let alone how it will be able to attribute any change back to um, the the activity on the on the tfl network
0: and what's been the move, music from exterior and jc the they manage the outdoor estate don't they i mean well, i guess they'll be pretty anxious if they do take a, a financial hit then
1: well, absolutely. I mean, what the, the job for Exterian and, and, and for Deco is to manage this ban as effectively as possible with their client base um, to ensure that where, where possible, um, you know, clients who have alternative healthier options are advertising those um, instead of their HFSS products. Um, but for some sectors, there simply won't be an alternative, for example, confectionery, you know, yes, that's and true. we've got Easter coming up just round the corner, can't advertise Easter eggs.
0: Yeah, I mean isn't it true that a lot of these fast food advertisers are quite responsible anyway? I don't think McDonald's Completely. and the like, they don't advertise I They're re- they advertise fries on the on Transport for London They're anyway.
1: reformulating their products, um, they're reducing their advertising of those um, high calorie products
2: as well and they often advertise the healthier options. I think there's a broader theme here of quite a lot of advertisers are starting to think about responsibility and stepping up so that they do it before government. We saw with gambling, uh, they've said they're no longer going to be on Sky and BT Sports. And I think they did that in a response to what happened when they tried to push back against uh, machines people would use to gamble indoors Mm. uh, and found the law came down much harder. And potentially, as discussed, the things with TFL, there's probably a broader thought for a lot of people in sectors that are challenging of how can we take proactive steps ourselves to be as positive as possible, to not have the negative impacts our brands can have so that government doesn't respond to us. And I think that's a really important conversation across all categories of how we proactively uh, work together so that we stop government getting involved because Mm. we're already taking steps ourselves.
0: Mm. I think we might be being slightly unfair on Sadiq Khan. I think this is part of a portfolio of measures, doesn't it? I mean, this isn't just a one-off. It is taking other initiatives too, uh, working with schools and things like that.
1: I believe he's, um, he's put in some measures to stop uh, any new fast food restaurants opening within a, dis- a certain distance of schools.
2: There are also efforts as part of the programme to help get access to healthy food, especially, yeah. I think, for people from uh, low-income backgrounds. Okay. So taking positive steps alongside the negative.
1: Yeah. That's
2: the sort of thing we'd like to see
1: is, you know, using the power of advertising, particularly out-of-home mm. advertising, um, to communicate that messaging to do the public information piece about better nutrition about exercise about parental discipline and portion control and all that sort of stuff why not use what the medium is best at doing then that's actually something you can measure the effect of are people's attitudes changing are they noticing those posters is the awareness of those campaigns increasing it's very difficult to take something out of one section sure. of one little part of a, sure. of, of a medium mm. and then try and evaluate what effect that's having because there's so much other noise going on around HFSS that p- p- will be louder than the impact of just removing advertising from one, one piece of the jigsaw.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's a few stories at the end of last year I think of in Nationals which mentioned the likes of Deliveroo just eating McDonalds and suggested that they might look for some sort of legal counsel. Is, is there a legal issue, or could there have been a legal issue with this, or I guess I conversations think, with Transport for London may have?
1: have yeah, I mean, them I, again, I'm not I'm not a legal expert, so I can't really speak to it. But I, I think uh, in the original proposal that the mayor put forward, he was did mention talking about outright banning particular brands okay. from TfL, saying as a brand you cannot advertise, um, and I think that that probably may have. Uh, where those Where those conversations probably came from, um, in the end he moved back from that and, and went down a, a, a nutrient profiling model approach
2: okay and final thoughts and final thoughts from you will um I think the final thoughts for me is hopefully what we 'll see is an attempt to measure this really well, but I hope on both sides there's flex where we can go where it's potentially working, where we think mm. it's good as an industry we won't just respond against it we'll take what works and adapt that and potentially start applying it to other media and similarly TFL if they find there are elements that aren't working are big enough to adapt the policy and change. I think it's all about both sides being prepared to take learnings from the evidence and adapt based on that. So you think it could well come to other media then if it's a success? Um, I think if it's a success politically for Sadiq Khan, if it's felt that it's good for him, a lot of other politicians and a lot of other areas will go, this is something that can help me, either in my local constituency or broader, uh, and then it could become a bigger thing. And if it's popular for him, and therefore popular, that's not necessarily a full negative because it suggests the public are responding positively. Our job, as you said, or your job is to make sure they make that decision in the round of the full effects that it's having. And Tim, final thoughts from you? Um, again, it's it sort of it was almost
1: the same as my initial thought. This was a missed opportunity. It's been quite disappointing. There was a, a, a real chance here to build something real, to build something big. Perhaps not just on TFL, not just even in London, as in Sadiq's patch, but something nationally. It's a huge topic. It requires a lot of action um, in different areas, and uh, just tinkering with advertising in one in one area of one medium. Uh, is not is not going to be effective right okay gentlemen that's fantastic and do stay
0: listening next up we have uh, mel edwards hello before the show resumes a quick word from propeller sponsor of the media marketing podcast propeller provides pr content and events programs for companies operating in the media marketing advertising and technology sectors in this part of the show we speak to an industry leader to find out who or what has influenced their own career And we also find out what advice they would give their younger self.
3: My name's uh, Barney Farmer. I head up um, Nielsen's UK watch business. What the watch business does within Nielsen is it measures media in terms of audience and advertising. We operate on a global level, uh, but my role is towards the UK. I've always believed that dreams don't um, become reality through magic. It takes uh, tears, sacrifice, hard work. The person who really influenced me in regards to that was my grandfather. He moved to London from the north in the late 1930s as a teenager. And um, he then set up his own haulage business. And he worked through to his 80s with that. He set up, you know, it was very successful and he was really someone I looked up to as I was growing up in terms of how, how business is done. The business advice I would give my younger self is that you have two ears and one mouth and you have them for a reason. So you can listen more and you can learn more and it allows you to think before you speak. This was advice given to me when I was younger and it is proven continuously useful to me, especially as we see changes in the media world um, that affect ourselves and our clients. And you have to understand everyone's perspective and the pain points that every single organisation is going through as they try to adapt to a new media world. I would like to give a shout out to the Nielsen team, my Nielsen team, who I've worked with for a number of years now. They work hard every day to get better and improve what they do. They're a great group um, of smart, capable, motivated individuals who have a passion for the media world that we work in, which they live and breathe. And I'm continuously impressed every day by the graft that they all show across the team. I listen to the Media and Marketing podcast because I learn something new every time. Um, you get a different perspective of, of people across the industry and the different challenges that we all face. And every time I, I listen to it, something new comes to mind. So that is the reason I listen to the
0: Media and Marketing podcast. If you want to discuss how Propeller can help you find the story at the heart of your business and amplify it to drive growth, then get in touch at infopropellagroup.com. Now... Back to the regular media and marketing podcast. Uh, Now, thanks for joining me, uh, Mel. You're very welcome. I realise you've been very busy in your new role. (laughs) So first up, the merger between uh, WPP, Digital Agency, Wonderman, and Creative Agency, JWT, was announced in November last year. First of all, can you just give us an update on how that's going, and when when will it be fully bedded in?
4: Yeah, so it's a bit busy. I can't lie. Um... We have a huge amount of work streams at a global level uh, to help us with that integration. You know, so we have work streams around real estate. You know, That's one of the biggest work streams, as you can imagine, yeah. in a lot of our markets, including the UK. We sit in different locations. So having to look at lease holdings, length of lease holdings, and all of those uh, good things uh, takes time. Uh, similarly, we have work streams around culture, uh, people, leadership, um, Earnouts, acquisitions. So, all of those things aren't quick processes, but the plan is to have as much integration done. By July that's my goal anyway so that we can you know stop looking internally and get focused on clients and well, that's one of the key things I'm telling everybody um, within Wonderman Thompson and also to our clients as well is that you know the first and foremost thing is our clients uh, so let's focus on those whilst we do the integration
0: and what's the what's the size of a new business center around 20,000 is it 20,000 staff in 90 markets
4: Yes, that's correct.
0: Okay, just on the Wonderman Thompson. Obviously, that does the job. It's a nice name. Did you ever think yeah. of any alternatives? Someone said a good name would have been uh, WJWT. If you could have done something nice with yeah, the logo, or yeah. was, that, was that an obvious name for you? Uh,
4: we did. I mean, we looked at lots of names, but what I wanted it was to feel personal. So I wanted it to feel feel like names rather than uh, the JWT or the W. I wanted it to feel more human, more warmth. So we came up with Wonderman Thompson purely because, actually, I think for a lot of it, Individuals at JWT, the word, you know, Thompson is how people describe JWT internally. So it felt more informal and, and human. So bringing those together felt right. And it was actually myself and Tam that came up with that name, just sitting around, sort of mulling it over.
0: And how do you describe yourself? You're obviously not, uh, you're somewhere between a creative and a digital agency. What are you, what are you, a sort of business solutions provider? Or is there well, a natty way of describing what you do now then? So
4: in terms of what we say Wonderman Thompson is, we would say we are an agency that drive, is very much focused on uh, creativity, data, technology, but we are here to inspire growth. That's inspiring growth for our clients, first and foremost, and ultimately, and hopefully, growth for ourselves. But the other part of that is around growth for our talent. So Mm. by bringing two different agencies' networks together, uh, my goal and our goal as an organisation is therefore to ensure that you know there's huge amounts of growth for everyone who works here because there's cross fertilization there's learning new capabilities on both sides
0: and what you mentioned the clients uh, i think that you share big clients like shell what's been what's been the response from them i presume some of them were happy before with the status quo and sure. some of them weren't is that
4: yeah, so when we um, when we were thinking about whether we should do this or not and there wasn't that much mulling around I tell you you know we were we, we sat down a few weeks before the announcement it hasn't been something that we've been planning for a very long time uh, and actually we looked at our top 20 clients on both sides and there was a huge amount of overlap um, and no conflict really no nothing that made us feel sort of nervous or that we said maybe we shouldn't do this um, so then when we actually ended Announced it. What we wanted to do was ensure that we told our clients first of all. So we we called around that morning before the uh, news was broken, and um, and not one client said uh, that was a, the wrong thing to do. Every client said that makes absolute sense. Uh, and on both sides, actually, you know, the JWT side and the Wonderman side, mm. a lot of the clients said, "When can we? When can we speak to somebody at JWT, or when can we speak to someone at Wonderman?"
0: Okay, and what's the, obviously WPP's merged, VML and y Yeah. What's, to me, they would seem pretty similar to what you've got. What, is, is there a point of difference between your business and the VML Y&R business then,
4: well I, I mean I can't really talk for John Cook's bit you know what mm. John's doing at VML yr and um, r yeah absolutely there's overlap I think probably one of the differences not that that's something that I would ever you know uh, shout about is you know size we're, we're probably a bigger organisation but uh, but um, I think if you look at our skill sets from a Wonderman perspective very heavily orientated around data heavily orientated around commerce mm. Uh, heavily orientated around consulting, I can talk a little bit more about that, Uh, and also technology. And I think that we have a huge amount of depth... In those areas, uh, and fusing it with the JWT storytelling and the brand aspect, I think is 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 very unique.
0: Okay, so you I, th-
4: I think what w- what I say to what I what I say to clients and new business clients is, I think we have this real interesting point at Wonderman Thompson where we can uh, pitch uh, successfully against. The agencies, but actually, I think we have the same capability to be able to pitch against the consultants and big, mm. big, and win big platform builds against the IBMs of this world and mm. and so forth.
0: Okay, we might come on to talk about that. I mean, you've obviously painted a, a positive uh, picture of this merger. Mm-hmm. I guess the other way of looking at it is when two entities do merge, it's usually for reasons that one of them or both of them might be struggling. Yeah. So there is an argument to say that JWT, JWT if I can get my words out, has been struggling and that mergers can lead to uh, office politics, client losses and job losses. Yeah. But just to be clear, there's not been any client losses, mm-hmm. there's not been any job losses mm-hmm. and there's not been any... Uh, sort of office politics, because of this merger
4: yeah, so I think um, so to answer all of those we haven 't you know touched word I paper touched my head uh, you know we haven 't we haven 't lost any clients over this merger um We've already actually, you know, in January won a huge amount of new business by working yeah. together as, as one team. I think from a talent perspective, this was the reason we did this was because we, it made sense to bring together those capabilities rather than keep them apart. Um, will there be job losses? Um, I mean, there's going to be overlap in certain areas, but to be honest, you know, what a strategist does at JUT versus what a strategist does at, at Wonderman are slightly different. You know, yeah. we need those skill sets rather than to go, actually, we just need one of those people because we need the depth and the breadth rather than generalists. So I always talk about experts rather than generalists in in um, everything we, we do.
0: Okay, because I think at the I know WPP's full-year results are out tomorrow, I think. Indeed. I know in, uh, at the end of last year, Mark Reid said there's, I think, likely to be 3,500 yeah. redundancies across the business. Yeah. But I guess some of that will be like back office jobs and things like that. Yeah. But maybe, there will, I guess there will be some duplication. On Wonderman Thompson, were mm-hmm. they on like financial controllers or maybe HR directors?
4: Yeah, there'll, there'll be a bit of that. But um, actually, what we did as uh, businesses. In 2018, at sort of the end of that, is look at our restructuring already. So when we came together, it wasn't like there was a huge amount of overhead sitting in those organizations. We'd already looked at what we needed as a business to sort of move forward into 2019.
0: And can you tell us what's the priority? Is there a particular market that's well documented, isn't it, that WPP struggling in the US creative agency is is a market? I guess that's a focus then, is it? Yeah,
4: so I think for us as Wonderman Thompson, North America is, is key for us to sort of you know get get healthy should i say not that we're unhealthy but i think um you know we brought uh, shane atkinson into the back into the business he used to be the global ceo of possible he's come now to run a massive part of our organization i think his skill set the depth and breadth that he has and also culturally he's he's such a decent uh transparent individual i think bringing those two organizations together in north america he's absolutely the right person to do it um and he's a hunter you know he he's great with clients and so having him in our organization to help drive the growth in north america is 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 a great thing what does that
0: mean i've not heard the expression a hunter
4: hunter um he's 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 out he's you know he's not somebody that okay. sits internally and spends 90 percent of his time you know within the whole internal organization of course Mm. that's key but actually he's out with clients he's out with new bit he's out with new new clients and he's just getting out there
0: and just uh, just to clarify this Mm. this merger it is a merger of equals i interviewed uh John Sharp who's who's left the business about yeah. VML Y&R and, R, and uh, there was a a thing the majority that the big jobs went to the VML folk mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh but can you can you say this is a, i mean is, is there a split between the uh the Wonderman and the JWT people in yeah. terms of the top jobs sure
4: or? so i think um I mean, again, I can't talk for VMLYNR, but I'm very conscious that I want this to feel like uh, it's balanced rather than you know it's a Wonderman takeover. I think it's it shows it shows that in the leadership. So you know, I'm the CEO, and Tam Tamara Ingram is the chairman. You know, mm. if this was a takeover, you know, maybe that would just be myself, or maybe just Tam. So I think we're very conscious that we want this to be balanced in the way we go about go about things, and and and, I'm, and I am very conscious of that um at a market a regional and also a market level but that doesn't mean to say that um you know i want this to be yes it's a merger but actually i want this to be a new new company Mm. so therefore in certain places such as north america we have Mm. brought in new talent rather than going okay who's the person at wonderman or jdt who should run the region
0: I guess that's probably the tricky, one of the trickiest parts of your job, isn't it? Really getting the right people in the right roles yeah, in the office politics. Yeah, it is, it is. And what about you? You mentioned Tamara Ingram there, so yeah. she's obviously. What can you just talk a bit about your relationship with her? And whereabouts are you? Uh, we're in uh, Knightsbridge today I mean are you yes. based in where's your home then now
4: so I'm trying to so my home is uh, probably a little bit everywhere uh, and what I mean by that is because we haven't done the UK integration I'm very conscious that I do mm. not want if I'm in the UK which isn't that often at the moment but when I am I don't want it to be perceived by the JWT team that I am sitting in Wonderman and that's all I think about so I am when I'm in the UK I am spending my time so you know Mondays and Tuesdays if I'm around I'll I'll sit in Wonderman, and you know from wednesday i'm here at jwt until we deliver the until we deliver the integration
0: and your relationship with tomorrow i mean how does that work then is that a- i mean
4: we hate each other
0: right, no no no, okay. no in all
4: seriousness <laughs> um we it, we it works very well we are we've known each other for a long time because of wpp but similarly we come at things, we, we instinctively probably think the same, which is, not, which is something that we didn't realise until we mm-hmm. actually started working together more closely. But my role is very much about running the business, and Tam is going to play to those strengths that she's got, and those amazing strengths, which is helping us with our global clients.
0: Okay, so let's just touch specifically on JWT. I mentioned mm-hmm. we're in uh, plus uh, Knightsbridge today. Yeah. There is a perception that JWT is a bit out of touch Uh, a bit aristocratic lots of posh people working here not really creatively Mm -hmm. led and maybe it's emblematic by the fact that you've got a a Knightsbridge office do you think JWT is a bit out of, of touch with the current times?
4: Um, I don't think so. I mean, the the fact that I'm here, you know, and I've been consciously wanting to be here so that I can feel the business, meet the people, uh, rather than having meetings, you know, stopping and having a conversation in the corridor is something that I like to do. And that, for me, doesn't come across at JWT. Um, I, I personally wouldn't have um, led that business if if that's what I thought
0: okay I mean you can I guess you can't imagine like a, if you're a young funky tech company you can't imagine them wanting maybe uh, to work with j w two because of that perception problem I mean I guess it's not just j w two you could probably argue that uh, gray and y and R they're a bit kind of old school but you you don't really see that as a perception.
4: I don't I mean I, I don't and and you know and I think if I look at the, if I go back to my point about winning new business in, sure. the, in, that, in January uh, and a lot of that business was, has been won as Wonderman Thompson, I think that, you know, results, you know, those results show uh, why, we're, why I don't think that's the case.
0: So you've no plans to you'll, you'll you'll definitely stay in Knightsbridge, and You won't be moving out. No,
4: on. Um, no, I didn't say that. I think <laughs> um, I think what we need to do is get our businesses as soon as you integrate a company. Yeah. That you know collaboration, uh, you know relationships built. So I'm really keen to get the JWT uh, and Wonderman UK teams together as soon as possible. Um, what does that mean in terms of location? I I don't know, but I probably would be looking if I can to get everybody into Greater London House, which is where Wonderman's based.
0: Okay, so we'll wait and watch this space on this one. Now the yeah. the gender pay gap. Yep. Um, this was uh, bad news for JWT. Obviously, uh, median gender pay gap was forty-five percent in favor of men. That mm-hmm. was for 2017. Yeah. It was described as described as as shamef- shameful. I mean, I don't know what it is for twenty-eighteen. Can you just talk about what you're doing to address this?
4: Yeah, sure. I mean, I th- you know clearly, I am a woman and I'm running one of the largest global networks um, in the industry, uh, and I'm, as you will imagine, very uh, supportive of sure. more senior women in our organisation not just in the uh, UK but across the board uh, and I would also say that Mark Reed is absolutely focused on that as well so he has a very balanced uh, team and that that trickles down right so I would say for me that's, that's critical so one of the programmes we have in place at okay. Wondermon which is going to be a Wonderman Thompson programme is mm. something called Pass It On where we bring uh, or rather we take our senior women from out of the organization and give them the tools and the support and the I guess the confidence to go back into our organization and expect um, those roles rather than maybe think that those roles might go to more uh, that that might go to males. now that's not to say that I don't want uh, to uh, promote people on merit because we should but at the same time we absolutely need to uh, keep our um females in the organisation and ensure that we have more females at a senior leadership perspective.
0: So next time that the reports, the gender pay gap, that will, will see an improvement, I guess. But no. Well,
4: the 2018, um, yeah. I'm just looking at that at the moment. And of, okay. and of course, what, what that will be is the JDUT and the, and the Wonderman scores rather than Wonderman Thompson. And we only merged our businesses, or rather I only took over in mm. January 2019. So I don't know what that looks like. Uh, but what I do know is that for the business that I will be running and have, and have started running since January 1st, uh you know I, that is critical for me to um focus on and resolve
0: okay now before I did this interview I had an email from your PR person saying I couldn't ask questions about the current discrimination case involving JW2 which is going to a tribunal if I can just ask you one question sort of step round it I'm sure people are aware uh, the case is because a number of men claim to have been forced out of the agency after they raised raised concerns about comments made by creative director Joe Wallace who said she wanted to obliterate the reputation the agency was full of white privileged straight men Um, would you have a problem with an, an employee making the, the comments that J, Joe Wallace made because obviously they were, indo- they were sanctioned, weren't they, by you know, senior people at JWT at the time?
4: Well, I think, uh, and, and by the way, you can ask me anything, um, and, and I'm, I'm no doubt I'll be told off by everyone. Um, but you know, my feeling is that you know, transparency and honesty is the right approach. It's it's difficult for me to comment because mm. this was before I took over the business. Um, And and so the ins and outs of that, I I can't really comment. All I can say around that whole subject is that now I'm involved, I'm trying to make sure that we are supporting those individuals and making it fair for everybody. Uh, Is that something that we would be saying in public moving forward? Probably not. No.
0: Right. Uh, you wouldn't say... It. Right, okay. Well, well, that's interesting. So, it will. It should do, JWT was wrong to say those comments at the time then. Okay.
4: I'm not... Well, I'm not... I mean, it is what it is. It, yeah. I mean, you know, they felt... Um, you know, I could understand the point that was being made. Yeah. But, um, you know, we need to just work through those things.
0: Okay, let's... We'll move on to Wonderman Woman shortly. Just last couple on JWT. What creative work from JWT in recent times have you been proud of? And also... Uh, I think JWT last year ditched the role of chief curator officer replacing it with these councils yeah, can you just yeah. update us on, on and, yeah. and what's come out of that too?
4: So I'm trying to see as much work as I possibly can at the moment everyone sort of wants to you know Uh, show me work, which is brilliant. I think some of the work that's coming out of here for HSBC, I don't know if you've seen it, is is stunning. I think it's fantastic and I think, you know, fair praise to the to the team sitting in JWT. Um, It's a really interesting point you make about, you know, uh, global chief creative officers and Mm. uh, what we're trying to do at the moment, looking at the organisation and the size of the business that we have, um, is what do we need to support that be that at a global or a regional or a local level and what I, what I don't mean is that putting in loads more people and loads more overhead but mm. I am keen that we have experts not generalists so right. can one person manage all of that uh, creatively maybe mm. maybe not so those are the sorts of things that we're working through you know I look at I look at how the consultancies manage the business from a capability and expert perspective and I think there's some things really interesting there so I think this this for me is an opportunity to be able to uh, do something different rather than do the norm and one of the key things that I'm really interested in um, for our organisation moving forward is if we have somebody that's coming to Wonderman Thompson mm. how can they navigate their way through our business and our capabilities rather than necessarily sitting in one department okay. for that career path if, if that makes sense you know I, I feel like you know I want individuals and that's what we're being told by um, you know our talent as well is okay. that they want to be multi-skilled, um so that's that's something that I'm quite keen to deliver against.
0: You mentioned the consultancies twice, then, so mm. that's obviously at the forefront of your mind. Why is that? Is is that because they're taking business from you, uh, taking business from you at the moment, or you're sort of looking ahead and you can yeah. see them as a, an increase in I would say it,
4: I would say it's a bit of both. Uh, are they taking <coughs> business from us at the moment? No, not really. Will they? Will they at some point? I mean, that's exactly what they're doing, aren't they? They're buying up agencies mm. to to be able to compete against um, the likes of ourselves. So I. I can't sit here and and be arrogant in in that response but you know we do pitch against uh a lot we did um we did as wonderman and obviously now we will as wonderman thompson so we need to future-proof our business to ensure that uh you know we are skilled and have experts so one of the things that we do um or we have brought into our organization Oh, oh it's interesting, you know, we've brought in consultants as in, oh, really? you know, for team leads. So they may have come from an Accenture or a uh, a okay. McKinsey or a Capgemini. Gemini. It's not sort of dissimilar to the consultants, yeah. you know, taking agencies into into their world.
0: That is interesting. Okay, let's um let's just talk about I guess unlike JWT, Wonderman's kinda like the shining star um WPP. Um you were there for I think since twenty twelve what was the your biggest achievement or the highlight of your time at wonderman
4: um, well, there, there's i mean it's it's there's been a lot and um, but I think one of the things that I was asked to do when I first came to Wonderman was make our u k office um one of the you know one of the the best agencies in the UK, and and I think at the time maybe it had, it had probably lost its way a little bit, there were some fantastic people there, but it just needed a focus, it needed strong leadership, it needed a vision and it needed a plan. And And those were, you know, a tough couple of years of my career, sort of turning mm. around a business. I sort of talk about it being like a, a massive oil tanker trying to do a startup sure. in the middle of it. And so, you know, the success for me was, you know, uh, being able to to deliver against that uh, those KPIs and and sort of like put my you know hand on heart and say you know we we did achieve a lot as Wonderman UK from where we came from in 2012. I think that's one of the highlights for me at, at Wonderman was doing that okay. first of all.
0: And you've obviously got a close relationship with Mark Reed, who's obviously CEO now, wasn't he, off mm-hmm. the back of, of Wonderman. I mean, is yeah. that I guess that relationship changes now, then doesn't it? I guess.
4: Yeah, I mean, when he moved into being uh, the COO at WPP. Which was oh crikey when was that about June of last yeah, year? Sure. Um, it was you know it was it was odd for me you know I, I you know I said this to his face you know I I, I missed him in a way because mm. um, you know we, we um, you know we worked well together at Wonderman but. You know, is, he's absolutely the right person to be uh, leading WPP. I think what he did at Wonderman was was amazing. And so I have absolute confidence in him being able to do that at WPP. Um, but, you know, we still speak. We spoke yesterday. We WhatsApp okay. each other all the time.
0: Oh, really? All oh, right. Who else is on the WhatsApp group? It's
4: just me and him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's got a lot of other WhatsApp yeah, groups. Yeah,
0: maybe. Okay. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. And just um, towards the end now, just I wanted yeah. to ask you about pay. Yes. Now, obviously, I, I tried to figure out how much you get paid. I was hunting around yesterday, but I couldn't really find out. Not enough. Up. Not enough. Well, Kingston Smith did publish some pay figures for yes. 2017, which is the highest paid director at creative agency. Right. So the uh, highest paid director at such and suchy was nine hundred sixty-seven thousand. Right. Ogilvy was eight hundred twenty-eight. Leah Bennett was six hundred twenty-five. Gray four hundred thirty-seven. Now, I mean, do you think? I presume you're paid somewhere, I know that's quite um, a wide scope, but somewhere in that region. Do you think you are overpaid? I know compared to like FTSE 100 um, CEOs, it's, you know, it's not in the same ballpark. But I mean, I guess it's a relevant question if WPP is making significant job cuts and you're getting paid this. And there is an argument to say you could take a pay cut and that money could be reinvested in the business.
4: Um, I, well, I know for an absolute fact that the money I get paid is the right amount of money for me do, doing the job that i'm expected to do, but what um, but I will tell you though is that I also expect that to be uh, translated for every single person um, within our organization and what I mean by that is that i every single penny that we spend as a company, mm. I ask anyone to say would you pe- would you spend that for yourself would you if that was your money would you would you would you go on that? Would you go in a taxi or would you get the tube? If that was your money, would you stay in that sort of hotel room or would you, you stay somewhere else? And so I'm very conscious that, you know, I want us to have a business that is a healthy business and a business that rewards everybody, not just myself. I mean, you know, my reward is based on growth
2: mm. um,
4: and therefore I can't do that with, without everybody else and therefore I want a talent I want talent here that mm. will do the best work of their, their lives and that ne- that needs to be rewarded right
0: yeah so I think I think the gist of that was you are paid what you are worth them yes right okay but you, I mean you don't think they are quite high salaries you don't think generally bosses of creative agencies are, are paid too much then no
4: I don't, I mean I can't I can't say uh, yeah. I can't comment about any of those other okay. individuals I can only talk for myself
0: there is, a, I think. There's, I think I'm right in saying it. Is, is there a move for you to be your pay to be rewarded more on the performance of WPP now? That yeah,
4: that's yeah, and uh, and I think that's about Mark, you know, wanting to take everyone to take ownership of WPP, which I think is absolutely the right thing, and also for us to feel like we are. I mean, I don't want to be as Probably to say it's like a family but in a way we we should feel like a family and Mm. that is about collaborating together rather than um, against and I think those sorts of moves and those sorts of KPIs are the right thing for the business.
0: Okay last couple of questions Uh, we talked about the consultancies Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously these um, big networks like WPP have got a number of challenges uh, in housing uh, clients cutting costs. What what's yeah. the biggest challenge at the moment? Do you think? Uh,
4: well, one of those. <coughs> a, interestingly, we have, um, and it will probably be called. We're sort of working that through. Wonderman Thompson inside yeah. because um, you know you're right. I think there there is a there is a lot of that that's happening. But the way that we've approached it is that we've lent into that, and um, we see a lot of that being asked in RFIs and how can you help support us? Because a lot of clients do want their their teams closer, which yeah. means on site but they don't necessarily want to manage it themselves. So that's something that we... Um Uh, you know are supportive of so that's not I don't see that as a challenge the challenge that I probably see us having just in the short term rather than the long term is if you think we've got 20,000 people Mm. how do we ensure that all of those individuals are uh, skilled um, understand all of our new capabilities now on both sides Mm. so that they have the confidence uh, to be able to talk about those fluently with our clients and to be able to deliver the work that we want for our clients.
0: Right. Okay. Right. Uh, We'll leave it there. That's fantastic. Thanks very much, Mel. That's great. Thank
4: you.